Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, eSchool News' podcast on the latest and greatest happenings in EdTech. I'm Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. On this episode, we dig into some of the latest topics posted to eschoolnews.com, including best practices for a post-pandemic future, how to work on re-putting together special education post-COVID, and finally, what are some of the back office changes that are happening in school districts as a result of the past two years? First off, fingers crossed, it looks like we're finally coming out of COVID. Many, if not most schools, are back in person and even maskless, which is a wonderful thing. But just because things are back doesn't mean it's normal. And that really what normal was that great to begin with for many schools and districts. E-School News reached out and surveyed a number of education leaders across the country to see how this recent experience has changed the way they educate. The responses are up on the homepage under the title, 11 Educator Perspectives on Post-COVID Learning. Here are a few highlights. First, Mark Bedell, superintendent at Kansas City Public Schools writes, if we truly want to prepare students for life after high school, we're going to have to change high school. We've been doing it the same way for a century and it no longer works for many students and families. So many of our high schoolers got jobs last year to support their families, jobs they couldn't afford to give up when we reopened schools for in-person learning. So this fall, we launched an evening academy program to keep students who needed to work in school. But the model is flexible enough to work for credit recovery as well. And we have a few students who are taking classes in the evening to make room in their schedules for advanced coursework during the school day. Don't you love that? We also need more paths to graduation, not less. Megan Irwin, she's a first grade teacher in Columbus, Ohio Public Schools contributes as well. She writes, teaching during this pandemic has reminded me that helping students to develop their place in the community is as equally important as helping them meet the standards set forward by the state. Yes, students should leave my classroom with the math, reading, writing, and critical thinking skills they need for the next grade level, but they also need to know how to work with one another, how to express themselves appropriately, how to ask for help, how to share and take turns, and how to respectfully disagree. <laughs> That's one that I think we all need to have some recovery credits about. And then Tony Spence, Chief Information Officer at Muskego Norway School District in Wisconsin, posted some thoughts. The biggest takeaway from all of this is how incredibly important it is for everyone to work together. Everyone in our district collaborated to find ways to be aligned with one another, whether it was at a macro level across various district level departments or at a micro level in our schools, classrooms, libraries, and other workspaces. Our goal was to be open with students from the beginning, and we understood the difficulty of going back and forth. By working together, we eliminated blind spots and stayed focused on providing a continuity of services for staff and students. There's a plenty more insights and takeaway in, in this piece that I think would be really valuable for any and every educator out there. Be sure to check it out. Next up, Special education students had an especially hard time during the past two years, not only on the instruction side, but from an administrative angle as well. IEPs were thrown into disarray. Meetings were canceled or hastily handled online. Well, now it's time to get it back together. Jenny Panzurek, 
as she's a consultant for Riverside Insights, has some valuable thoughts on helping districts to do just that. This is in a recent posting to the eSchool News homepage. Here's her checklist. Number one, consider students' IEP goals and collect data. First, educators need to review the student's IEP to be reminded of the student's goals and accommodations. Then, whether you're utilizing your district's universal screening and diagnostic tools or finding assessment tools that are best for individual student needs, you need to start collecting that data. This data can determine whether there are gaps in knowledge and help educators understand how that student is currently functioning. Number two, evaluate that data. Once it's collected, it needs to be analyzed with the individual student's goals in mind. Special educators will need to determine whether the students are on track towards meeting those goals or if additional intervention is needed. This process includes documenting whether students truly, quote, showed up last year during online instruction. Number three, decide whether to repeat, skip, or intervene. The, quote, summer slide of years past, which was entire years, not just summer, this was real. So many students routinely require repetition of content and instruction from the previous school year. However, repetition assumes that the student has previously been taught that information. One thing we need to consider now is whether the content was taught at all. You will need to determine whether the student only needs reminders or prompts to remember the sequence of steps, or if it is a completely new concept. Jenny goes into much greater detail into the subject matter. You can find it in the top stories section with the title, Where Do IEPs Stand Two Years Into COVID? Speaking of the back office, I recently hosted a conversation that looked at some of the other drastic changes happening when it comes to upgrading IT for the running of the everyday guts of a school district. It's not really the sexiest of topics, but it's pretty important. Dan Armstrong, solutions consultant for Adobe Systems, had some solid suggestions. You can find this conversation under the webinar tab with the title, How to Build Efficiencies and Data Security and Compliance Through Forms Process Automation. This is actually part two in a series that we did that's called Creating Secure Compliant Workflows. Have a listen. Dan, talk a little bit about maybe some of the departments that are on your radar that you want to see your products and services go into next. You bet. A couple follow-ups on this real fast first is we've had a lot of things that are kind of out of your control and how do you change those things? And we've helped with some of those conversations, you know, different states and other things. But, you know, we have gone through all the rigorous testing and have security packets available for people that are looking to help make that change. Um, You know, I was a teacher in a classroom that made a statewide program for Adobe. And I had to have some of that documentation to make that happen. And so we've helped people with those conversations, you know, with all the security pieces to that you would need. And so I think, you know, I think Paul also hit on the head with, you know, what's next, you know, athletics is a big part of everything that happens. We've seen schools adopt things like, you know, they got that physical form filled out. Well, So we have, uh, you know, web-based forms that can just be on demand for parents. So they can just go fill it out and get it turned in to say, yeah, my kid can come participate. And then that takes the heat off the instructors and the other people so they can get that in a compliant way and have it. And they don't have to worry about how they collected it or whatnot. And they can go in and just simply see who didn't fill it out 
and request and send the link. Uh, we've used that same kind of thing for some of the other things we've discussed, you know, add and drop forms and changes at the university to help automate some of that because all that data comes out real nice and there's some options there. So I think athletics has got probably one of the next big things. It's the next big thing in most of education after we deal with special needs. But then I also kind of, I like the idea of it getting a little more involved with you know, the student information systems, we have open-ended APIs that can work with those systems. So like, I think there's a lot of interesting things that can happen there between the automation that we can provide with an API to put it in the student information system. In addition to like Power Automate through Microsoft, there's a really unique opportunity there that our commercial customers are taking advantage of that I think there's some opportunity for growth and excitement in that area because I mean we could do a lot of really neat things with those pieces but it's now down to a school and a district to say well this is our person that's going to be sort of our pioneer for these digital signatures and having them grab hold of some of those things so I think after we get the major things out of the way which I think we're getting close to having some of those solved it's now then we need the innovator in the district to say, here's the next thing we could do if we could stretch ourselves just a little bit, which that's hard to say right now because there's so much going on. Right. So that's a, it's a big ask, but I think that there's some great things that could happen there to simplify this for schools. So that about wraps it up for this episode. Be sure to check back on eschoolnews.com for all the latest and greatest news and analysis for what's happening in the ed tech space. Eschool News is always free and always helping innovative educators just like you. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan for eSchool News.